Formula One returning to Interlagos on Sunday. It is round 20 of the World Championship, and what a return this will be. Max Verstappen leading by 19 points in the championship to Lewis Hamilton. Mercedes with a one-point lead in the constructors over Red Bull. If the Silver Arrows are going to make a run at this driver's title, it's got to start here. Another Red Bull circuit by all accounts, but as we know this season, that has not really mattered all that much. News early on Friday, Lewis Hamilton will be taking a five-place grid penalty for Sunday's race. Mercedes will give him his fifth engine change, two more than the three that are allowed. Now, this affects the championship in a huge way because if he does not overcome this and win the Grand Prix, Max Verstappen, if he does go on to win on Sunday, won't have to do all that much in the next three races in the Middle East to win the championship. In fact, I think he just needs to finish second if Hamilton were to win all three and he could win the title if I've done my math correctly. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tony Deziri. Subscribe to the podcast if you like what we've been doing all season. And if you're new, leave us a five-star review anyway because it helps us grow the channel. And I'm an American sports talk show host covering the world of formula one all right we've got five things to watch for coming up we've also got track talk and we're also got our top five bottom five from last weekend's race in mexico city you can follow us on twitter at f1 overtake pod you can also hit me up on twitter at tony d radio you can email the show at the overtake f1 podcast at gmail.com and we have a facebook page uh, you can like us at the overtake f1 podcast there participate in our conversations all right, so we got all that business out of the way. So let's get to the five things to watch for in the Sao Paulo Grand Prix preview. It used to be the Brazilian Grand Prix, but now Sao Paulo is the name of the town, so they changed the name of the Grand Prix. Number one, and it's the return of sprint racing. This is for the final time this season. Qualifying will be determined with a sprint race on Saturday. We saw it at Silverstone, we saw it at Monza, and now we see it at Interlagos. There's been mixed reviews on this this season. I have been well documented saying what I thought of it. I wasn't a huge fan of this idea when it was brought out. I'm a little bit more traditionalist. I said, you know what, though? I could grow to like it. There are aspects of this I do enjoy. There are aspects of this I do not. I do not like world championship points attached to this thing. We've already got an epic world championship battle, and it could come down to a handful of points that one or the other got in an advantageous situation in sprint racing. I just do not like that aspect of it. But I understand why Formula One is doing it. I think it does make a better weekend for Formula One. But there are still some questions that I have about this process that haven't really been answered over the first two sprint races that I don't think are going to get answered with the third one. However, Stefano Domenicali said there's more coming, so better get used to it even if you don't like it. But that does mean something, all right? There are going to be some questions here, again, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the season. Like my first question is going to be, will Lewis Hamilton take any chances? He's got a lot to lose here. If something should happen in that race, a fall back on the grid could extend a championship lead for Verstappen. He's already got a five-place grid penalty. So if he should win the sprint race, he's going to start P6. If he finishes 10th in the sprint race because he got tangled up in something, he's going to start P16. So he's got a lot to lose here. He's already going to suffer the five-place grid. Any chances that he takes that don't work out is going to put him even further back on the field at a track that's not really that great for overtaking. So it's going to make his day on Sunday even more complicated. But that being said, 
If Lewis Hamilton wants to catch Max Verstappen at this Grand Prix and possibly make a run to win this Grand Prix, then he needs to start sixth. And in order to start sixth, he's got to win the sprint race. So how does Hamilton take advantage of, of any opportunity? Does he go at it a little cautiously knowing that if it doesn't work out, his day is done, or does he take the opportunity to get up towards the front and maybe get that pole position, which would put him sixth on the grid with his penalty. It really is a kind of a, a house of cards for Hamilton right now, because depending on this on qualifying later on Friday to, to the sprint race on Saturday, where that grid penalty is going to put him. The sprint race has the ability to put Hamilton even further back. If again, during the race of the, the sprint race on Saturday, he takes a chance that doesn't pay off. And on the flip side of this, how does Max Verstappen play this out? He knows that the best position that Hamilton can start is P6, right? Win the sprint race, he gets a P6. And then Max can play this a little bit more comfortably during the sprint race. He doesn't have to go for a gap just because it's a gap. He can play it cautiously. He can be, he can go out there and go, look, P2, P3, P1, whatever. As long as I'm ahead of that guy, I'm going to beat that guy and extend my championship lead. And if Max wins out, I mean, think about this sweep. He could pull out here at Interlagos. 25 points for the win of the race, three points for winning pole position at the sprint race. Maybe he gets a fastest lap in there to boot. That's 29 points that are up for grabs for him. Now, I don't know if he gets all of them. Ham whatever Hamilton does cuts into that, but the championship lead could look a lot better for him. And it really will depend on how Hamilton plays out his sprint race again with the penalty and Max plays out his sprint race, knowing that Hamilton has the penalty. All right, number two, and that is Mercedes' response. All right, Lewis Hamilton really did get the best result for himself at Mexico. That was a track that Mercedes were not going to beat Red Bull at, given Red Bull's pace. So despite a front row lockout with Botas on pole position and Hamilton right beside him, Verstappen was probably going to make Mexico City work for him and win that race at some point, whether it is making the pass on the opening lap or making the pass at some other point, using an undercut, whatever it would have been. I did expect Max Verstappen to win that race from the P3 spot. I, it just fits the Red Bull Honda engine better than what Mercedes was bringing to the table, right? But however, the P2 finish for Hamilton, that's a textbook definition of minimizing the damage for Mercedes. The world championship gap is 19 points. Now it's the time for Mercedes to start making some move. Now they've already sort of tilted their hand as to what move they're going to make given Hamilton, the grid penalty, willing to take the engine for the grid penalty, because they know down the stretch, the three races in the middle East should suit them. So if you're going to take the engine, take it now, but you cannot leave Interlagos with a lot of damage. You cannot leave Interlagos with Max Verstappen just taking a complete and utter stranglehold of the world championship. There's got to be some room for an opportunity to get back into this fight with either at uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, or um, Abu Dhabi at the end of the season. All right. Now, Hamilton can't get caught up in anything like Imola or Monza, right? He, he can't. Uh, and even at Silverstone, when he escaped damage after contact with Max Verstappen, he can't get caught up in any of that. He can't get a DNF. So if you want a chance to take this fight down the stretch, he's got to finish somewhere on the podium. That's going to be really hard to do, depending on how the sprint race works out for him and the grid penalty. But yeah, the circuits that are coming down the stretch, they are predicted to be advantage Mercedes. But if he's down 30 after Brazil because of a mistake, 
or mechanical failure, which is now unlikely because of the engine upgrade. It's going to be game over for the title. And another angle to the Mercedes response here on the things to watch for is Valtteri Bottas. They've got to find a way to get him more strategically involved in Hamilton's pursuit for the championship. I mean, he didn't even make a move to block Max Verstappen off at Mexico City. I mean, he didn't even make a move. And that's okay. Again, Max probably would have won that race. I mean, Mercedes almost conceded that point at the end. But you need a little help from your teammate here. And if you can get that in a position where Botas can help you, especially going down the stretch in his final few races in the Mercedes machine, for Botas, I I understand why you may not care, but at the same time, if you're Mercedes, you should get him more involved in how your strategy will play out in Brazil. All right, the third thing to watch out for, McLaren's return. Ferrari and McLaren are really doing their part to make this season more memorable than just a Lewis-Max battle. The iconic teams are fighting for P3 in the Constructors' Championship, and they've been doing so the entire season. Now Ferrari seems to have the upper hand lately, and in back-to-back races, if you notice this, McLaren has said kind of the same thing, right? Not our weekend, and we're really looking forward to wherever the next stop is. Ferrari, they're getting both their drivers in the points. They now lead by 13 and a half for that third spot, that coveted third spot. It's a fight I've been following all year. One as a Ferrari fan, but two, because these are the interesting other battles other than the world championship. Lando Norris is hugely popular in Brazil, but and he did manage a point after starting from the back of the grid in Mexico City. But it does feel like since Sochi, when he was leading the race and stayed out there on those slick tires, I haven't really seen him up front and mixing it up with the leaders. He's had kind of ordinary races. Where he hasn't really done much. I mean, look, Austin was kind of different because of McLaren and Ferrari were kind of going at it in the back. But I'm talking about Lando like earlier this season. He'd be running like P3 and he'd be, you know, get a podium or something. That Lando Norris seems to have disappeared um, over the last couple of races. And it feels like a long time ago when they went 1-2 at Monza, doesn't it? All right, the fourth thing to watch for, in these, and that is Red Bull Circuit. Yeah, and that's a question mark at the end there, Red Bull Circuit. Mexico was at high altitude, and that was a Red Bull Circuit. Those conditions fit the Honda engine better. And you can say the same thing about Brazil, but not as much. Like, that's sort of the thing. And Mexico City is the ultimate Red Bull circuit. Brazil is, but not as much as Mexico City. Uh, However, Jensen Button did feel that the power in the Mercedes engine could sort of level that field a little bit between the two teams. Now, Hamilton is a two-time winner at Interlagos, but Red Bull has won there five times in their team's existence. Max won the last race there in 2019. Now, I don't expect the same level of dominance in Mexico City by Red Bull, but I got to think Red Bull would still have the favorite advantage at this circuit, regardless of the grid penalty for Lewis Hamilton. Fifth thing to watch out for, and that is the weather in Brazil. We've done this a couple of times where there's been some iffy weather in the forecast at Grand Prix we've gone to. Clouds and rain are in the forecast this weekend. Sunshine is in the forecast. It seems like it's all on the table at Interlagos. And, And since every day this weekend has a major event from regular qualifying on Friday that sets up the sprint race on Saturday, and then the sprint race on Saturday that sets up the Grand Prix on Sunday, if weather gets tricky in any one of those three days, it could have an effect on how the weekend goes, right? And if it is hot and sunny, this is going to suit Red Bull to a T. But if it's raining, it's also going to suit Red Bull too. Because if you think Max Verstappen in Brazil, I mean, 2016, 
All right. Now that race was won by Hamilton, but that's where a young Max Verstappen really showed he belonged in Formula One. So again, weather in Brazil, it's it's been kind of iffy and shaky, but they do expect some some sunshine for Sunday's race. But you know, some cloudy skies early Friday morning. All right, let's get to our tracks talk segment. And this was where we kind of go over the circuit. I talk a little bit about the turns and what the what the course kind of looks like in an audio type of way, give you a little bit of history and also, of course, um, some of the things to watch for from the circuit. Interlagos, so they've been hosting Grand Prix races since 1973. And to be honest with you, I can't think of Interlagos without thinking of Ayrton Senna. I think many people can't do this, you know, can't do the same thing. You always think of Ayrton Senna when they go to Brazil. Uh, this was named the Brazilian Grand Prix, but it recently changed its name to the Sao Paulo. Grand Prix since that's the town that the circuit is located. It is an anti-clockwise track. You've seen this at Turkey. You've seen this at Imola. It is relatively short. You're talking 4.3 kilometers to be exact. And it does have some characteristics of a, like a go-kart track. That's like the, one of the ways some of the drivers and team principals have described it. Now look, from the start, it is going to be a quick dive into turns one and two. This is known as the Senna S. Great opportunity for overtaking here. It is going downhill. Watch for that at the start of this Grand Prix. Unlike Mexico or like, let's say, at Monza, where there's like a long stretch to the first turn, this turn comes really fast. The Senna S is downhill, and then it leads to Curva do Sol, the sun curve, which is at high speed, a left-hander, and it kind of leads to a straight. It's the first DRS zone of the track. Then it goes into turns four and five. They're kind of a pair of left-handers that go downhill with sort of a mini shoot, a short shoot in between. Uh, then you get into turn six through 11, and this is where the, the, you get some names like Horseshoe, Little Pine Tree, Duckbill, Dive. You get some of these names of these turns. They kind of go back and forth. There are a series of like slow speed turns all the way to turn 12. Now, turn 12 is known as Junction. This is a hard left-hander, and it kind of heads into the an uphill kink, and that's known as Coffee. That's turn 13. Then it's a long uphill drive, moves left, and it bends more left into bleachers because there are bleachers there. And it get to the start finish line. This is where cars pick up tremendous amounts of speed. Think of it as like a long kind of sweeping left-hand motion uh, to the start finish line, that stretch. And that is where turn, you know, get into turn one again, and you've completed the lap. You'll see times around a minute nine, a minute 10, somewhere around that during the race. It's a mid-compound range for the Pirelli tires. You go C2 for the hards, C3 for the medium, C4 for the softs, and the race will consist of 71 laps. And four drivers on the grid have won at Interlagos. Hamilton, Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel is one here, and back in 2007, driving for Ferrari, Kimi Raikkonen took home the title at the Brazilian Grand Prix. All right, this is where I like to do top five and bottom five from the previous race. We'd like to do that in our preview section, and we're going to Mexico City. So we're going to give you our bottom five first and then our top five, and then I'll, we'll wrap up this podcast and get you ready for the weekend for the uh, San Paulo Grand Prix. Bottom five, we're going to start with five all the way to number one. And number five on my list was Yuki Sonoda. It really kind of started for Sonoda at qualifying uh, in Q3. Kind of He kind of went off the track, distracted Sergio Perez behind him, and that distracted Verstappen just a little bit behind him. And those two Red Bull drivers couldn't get the quality lap on that final run in Q3 that they were looking for to get to the front of the grid, and instead it ended up Mercedes lockout. Christian Horner said that they got cenoted and, you know, all of that, but then he was out of the race early with the DNF. This comes a week after Austin, where he was 
really, really good. Or two weeks after Austin, I should say, where he was really good. He didn't really put a foot wrong in the race at the circuits of the Americas. So Yuki Sonoda is number five on my bottom five. Number two, Valtteri Botas. And I bring it up for two things. One, his fault. And the other one, not his fault. The one that was not his fault was getting tagged by Daniel Ricardo and then staying in the back of the field for pretty much the whole race after that incident, being behind Ricardo, they weren't running in the points. Uh, Valtteri did move up a bit, but the thing that was his fault and the reason he's in the bottom five is he didn't block off the outside line for Verstappen. I mean, he should have, I think he should have, I know the argument, there's some arguments that say he, that he didn't and he couldn't, et cetera. I, I just don't buy it. From what I saw, I thought he could have at least made a move to block that. That's where the that's where the slipstream was going to take Verstappen. I think Mercedes was aware of that. Botas just did not close that out. Hamilton somewhat called him out on that and then kind of backtracked on it. But I think if you really, really watch that, there was absolutely no reason for Botas not to make a move to sort of prevent Verstappen from getting a nice, clean slipstream run all the way into that first corner in Mexico City. Use that outside line perfectly, get the lead of the race and take the victory. I just, I just don't buy it. But it was just a boring race for Valtteri Bottas. He wasn't really in the in the race leader fight. He was in the back of the field. So he's number four. Number three, Antonio Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi was in the points, and then he wasn't in the points, and it was a disappointing day. And I'm going to keep harping on this because, man, oh, man, you've got to get moving, Antonio. This is your job we're talking about. That seat at Alfa Romeo, you want to be Valtteri Bottas' teammate next season. And if you do want to be his teammate, you've got to start producing results. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Again, he was running in the top 10, then he wasn't running in the top 10. I know there was talk about going with a pitch strategy, whatnot. Ah, it he's just hasn't been able to take it to the next place to show he belongs on that team next season when there's an opportunity to bring in somebody else. And I love Antonio Giovinazzi. I want him in Formula One, but it's getting frustrating to watch him going to these races and not be able to produce. So he's three on my bottom five. Number four, Esteban Ocon, a rather ordinary day for Ocon. Started in the back with a grid penalty and then just finished P13. And just, you know... Nothing else for the Alpine driver, Esteban Ocon, who is a race winner. So we're not going to take that away from him. Still always remember hungry. We got hungry, Esteban, but it's not been a good run as of late. Uh, Dan, remember, he was DNF in Austin. So, I mean, give me a break. Daniel Ricardo is the number one. He tagged Valtteri Bottas. He had some damage on his car. Uh, didn't make a run. McLaren had an awful day. He's the main reason why. Lando at least got a point. Ricardo didn't get a point. Uh, again, same thing with Esteban Ocon, Daniel Rick, a 2021 Grand Prix winner at Monza. It just wasn't his weekend at the Mexico City Grand Prix. All right, let's get to the top five. This is where it's more fun. Number five on my list, Pierre Gasly, a P4 and had pace. I mean, really did a great job. In fact, these two Ferraris took their shot at Pierre Gasly and neither one of them could make a move on him. Yeah, they said Charles Leclerc took a shot. Then they swapped places on the on the on the track to give Carlos Sainz a shot. He couldn't do it. They swapped places again to just give uh, Charles Leclerc his original spot back. Both attempted to go after the Alfatari driver and both could not do it. Pierre Gasly, a P4 in Mexico City. Well done. Well, the Honda engine certainly helped, uh, you know, that's for sure. Uh, number four on the list at Sebastian Vettel. Good run for Seb. He got in the points. Uh, said afterwards it was a good, clean race for him. Finished as high as he possibly could. So I'm going to put him in the top five because it was a good run for him. A uh, little tough day for a Lance Stroll, but a good day for Sebastian Vettel. Number three, and this is where I'm going to put Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton gets three because a P2, again, minimized the damage. You know, he had Sergio Perez on his 
back, not quite on his back. It wasn't like it was on his tail, but Sergio was charging and Lewis had to fight him off. You know, it, he's more experienced at this. So I don't think he really, really sweated this one out, but knowing that the battle was with Sergio Perez and not Max Verstappen running clean at P2, just to make sure you got that, uh, you know, that, that P2 letting Valtteri Bottas get the fastest lap to take that point away from Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton did everything you could do to leave a racetrack where you're not going to win to make sure that everything went as well as you could control it. And so he is three in my top five, number four. And this is the race winner, Max Verstappen masterclass move. I've been using that term a lot. So I'm going to try to find a new word than masterclass, but I like it. It's, it's a good way to look at it. Ma masterclass move for Max Verstappen on that opening turn outside group, found it, used the slipstream perfectly late on the brakes, got that spot and then gone. And no one was going to catch him. It was his race and his race alone. Nobody had the pace of Max Verstappen. But I cannot do a Mexico City top five in Botafam without my number one guy being Sergio Perez. So I'm not going to do that. It is going to be Sergio Perez. Checo is number one coming out of Mexico City. It's a P3. It's an electrifying crowd moment. He tried to give Hamilton everything he could. It didn't matter. It brought the excitement and energy of the crowd at a Formula One race right through to everyone's living room that was watching. This was his race, his moment, his city. Everybody loved Sergio Perez and everybody loved the reaction of his family, especially his dad for that podium finish third straight race that they have finished on top of the podium. There was no drink issue. Like there was in Austin. Sergio Perez is on the top of the top five for the Mexico city Grand Prix. All right. Prediction for this race. I think Max Verstappen is going to win this thing. I think Red Bull is going to leave with even more uh, solidified championship points gap. And I think they're going to take over the constructors points title as well as we head to uh, Qatar. I, I think that th this is going to be a show for Red Bull. And I do think that the five place grid penalty for Lewis Hamilton is going to affect him. I, I just don't think it's, it's not an easy place to overtake. It's going to be difficult. I don't think he's going to be further back. I think he's going to put a good running and qualifying on Friday and a good running in the sprint race. But I just think being as far back as he can, he's not going to be able to undercut work. And so Max Verstappen is going to win. I don't know where Hamilton is going to be. It won't matter, but that points lead, I believe is going to be extended and there's going to be a talk about the final three races and all Max needs to do. That's the term you're going to start hearing more and more of as we get closer and closer to the end. All Max is going to need to do. That's the sort of racing points angle that you're going to start seeing. And I think you're going to start hearing about it when we go to Qatar. So again, enjoy the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, the Brazilian Grand Prix, however you'd like to name it, but it is a Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Also just um, another memory of Ayrton Senna. I got into Formula One in the 90s. I know I've told this story before, but for you guys who are new to the podcast, I was a young radio reporter just getting into auto racing in the United States, covering NASCAR and IndyCar, but I went all in. It was I, I had not been really a fan of auto sports until it was my job to be a fan of auto sports. So I dove into it in the early 90s, read everything that I could, watched as much of it as I could. And I did, I got right into formula one and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And one of my first sort of motorsports stories that I had to put together for the radio station I was working at was the death of Ayrton Senna. Now I did not follow the sport closely when Senna was winning races in his early years, but I certainly knew of him, uh, before his death in 1994. So again, every time the formula one series goes to Brazil and you know, the last few races at Imola where he tragically died in 1994, 
Um, we always remember Ayrton Senna. All right, again, like the podcast, subscribe. We would certainly love it. We love the growth. All of you around the world who've been listening, I really appreciate it. This has been a fun season, and it's going to get even funner as we head down the stretch. Uh, share it, too, with friends who, uh, if, if you could. I, I really like to see this grow as much as possible. Um, again, like us on Facebook as well, the Overtake F1 Podcast. And then you can follow us on Twitter at F1 Overtake Pod. A little different, but it's what I could get. All right, we'll be back next week with a review of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix from Interlagos. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.